welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Can we thank our worship team? Praise God. Why don't you go ahead and grab your seat, sit down. Buckle your seatbelts, hold on to your hats, let's get into it. Psalm 19 says this, Psalm 19 verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Someone say, refresh me. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Turn to your name and say, you need that. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. Verse 10, pay attention. Get out a highlighter. Write it on the person's forehead right next to you. They are more precious. Someone say more precious. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. I want to say to you today that there is gold in the Word of God. There is gold. I'm going to point to two different chapters, two different passages of Scripture. They're going to really show that there is gold in the Word of God. But I want to say this, that what's interesting about there's gold in the Word of God is I found that as you read the Word of God, it's actually that God is dusting off and taking off the junk in you and so that He can actually find the gold that He's hidden in there. See, over the years, I've found that I get more out of the Word of God because God has actually dusted off some things and taken off some things and changed your mindset so that, that even when you read the Word of God, sometimes you don't get anything from it, but understand it's not because there's nothing there. Sometimes it's like there's dirt in the way and God is trying to unpeel that dirt and our worship team is trying to get you to a place of faith so that when you hear it, you can really receive it by faith. Do you believe that? I want to assure you, remind you, encourage you, there is gold in the Word of God. Come on, you can build your life in it. The name of the Lord, Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It says the righteous, what do they do? They run to it and they are safe. Have you ever read some scripture and you're literally like, I don't get anything out of this. And I've been a preacher and I've been a pastor. I've been a Christian who's read the Bible now. Shoot, this dates me. For 25 years. I've been reading the Bible almost daily since I was 18. And I still look at some parts of the Bible and just go, I'm not sure what that means. So I just want to encourage you. Keep on reading. Even if you don't get it, I'm not sure about that. It's not the things that I'm not sure of that worry me about the Bible. It's actually the things I am sure of that worry me and, and it but in teach me and encourage me about the Bible. So I want to point you to two chapters and two passages of Scripture. And trust me, you're going to find some gold at the end of it. 
Genesis chapter 1, I love Genesis. Genesis is the start, the book of the beginnings. Genesis 1, God makes the heavens and the earth. He makes all the animals. Genesis chapter 2, you see more of the history of Adam and Eve. And Genesis 3 is the temptation of mankind and how mankind fell. Genesis 4, there is the unpacking and you see that there's blessing and you see that there is curse. But Genesis 5 is one of those chapters of the Bible go, I could skip this chapter. But I just want to let you know you can't skip this chapter. Genesis 5 is about genealogies, that is, descendants, that is, and it begins to say this, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing so that I don't bore you to death, because I know there's some resilient women here, and they were here all weekend, but I'm not convinced on a Sunday morning you're going to be that resilient. Okay, I know some of you are tired, some of you had a coffee, how many had two coffees? Anyone ever have a cheeky third coffee? Anyone, just any, anyone? Man, I'm about, okay, about 10 of us, good. Let's go get a coffee after this. We'll go get number four together. It'll be a good time, right? Some people are like, oh, I'm judging my pastor right now. But the Bible says this, that Adam begot Seth, and Seth begot Enosh, and Enosh begot Kenan, and Mahalalel begot Jared, and Jared begot Methuselah, and Methuselah begot Lamech, and Lamech begot Noah. And if you haven't read Genesis 5, read it because it will shock you on how old these cats are. Have you ever read the Bible just go, how old are you? Like Noah was called at 500. That means if you think you're old, there's more life in you yet. Isn't it the strangest thing that however old you are, you think you're old? I remember turning 23, I was like, I'm old. How many know I think that's young now? I'm 43 and some of you like, you old. And I don't like you as much. But some of you, some of you, I'm like, I'm 43, like, you young. (laughs) Amen, amen. All right, I get some claps from the 60s and up, that's cool. But what's amazing about Genesis 5 is that, that if you actually read it in the Hebrew, which I don't read Hebrew, but how many you know, I got Google anyway. And so I can Google what it means. But what's amazing as God is writing the, the, the genealogy of man until Noah, he actually has a hidden message in there. And the Bible says this, that that when Adam and begot Seth and Seth begot Enosh, I want to show you in Genesis 5 what the meanings of this name, and it actually joins a sentence, and it's really quite unique. It says this, the man, that's Adam, is appointed to mortal sorrow, but the blessed God, speaking of Jesus, shall come down, watch this now, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. Isn't that amazing that God, in all His goodness, sometimes has hidden messages within so that you and I can see that He's always writing something even when you're not sure He's writing anything about your life. That's why sometimes you and I can underestimate sometimes what can seem like a barren season in our life or a dead season in our life. But how do you know that winter has a purpose? Winter has a purpose to get some stuff away from you that you thought you needed. And then come springtime, you start smelling better, start looking better. Let 2020 be a winter so that when 2021 comes, come on, am I preaching to anyone? You're going to smell better, look better if you'll take on board what God has for you. 
I'm telling you, this message is better than the first one. I'm glad you came to the, se- the second service today. Turn to your neighbor and say, so am I. <laughs> Turn to the other neighbor you ignored and go, I told you mornings are overrated. <sighs> it's not true. It's not true. I'm a believer in mornings. All the night people said, oh me. And I want to jump into a passage of Scripture that is an amazing passage because I remember reading it and going, I can skip this one. Nehemiah chapter 3 is one of those where basically Nehemiah, uh, let, let me backtrack a second. Nehemiah is a bartender. If you don't think God can use a bartender, you're wrong. <laughs> Someone said, preach. I'm trying to. Nehemiah serves the king. He serves him water. He serves him a latte in the morning. He serves him cinnamon vanilla. He serves him those kinds of things. At night, he perhaps breaks out a Merlot. Perhaps he even does an old-fashioned occasionally. I don't know. But he is giving him a drink. And what's interesting about Nehemiah's job is maybe he didn't make them, but he had to sip them. Seems like my wife. My wife, uh, you know, it'll be my dinner. And she's like, let me have a taste. Have you ever been out to eat and someone's like, can I have a bite? I'm like, no, back away, get your own food. I ordered this for a reason. Anyway, sorry, I'm just having some marriage counseling. Just, uh... But then if I look over at her food, she's like, no, no. I'm like, all right, you win. But Nehemiah has an interesting job where his job is to sip what comes to the king Because in that time, sometimes someone would slip something in the drink. Beware, ladies. Someone would slip something in the drink and literally he would die. And so Nehemiah's job was to put his life on the line for the king. But it was a good job. It was a cushy job. It was probably rewarded quite nice, had a nice house, had a nice car, had all kinds of stuff going on. But then he hears about a problem. Someone say a problem. And you've got to understand that God is in the business of blessing you, but God is in the business of showing you a problem sometimes so that you can hear His heart on it and so that you can step into a situation. Although God wants you comfortable in Christ and comforted by Christ, God wants you uncomfortable for Christ. God wants you and me uncomfortable. And the danger of the Western Christianity is we have so many things that people all over the world don't even have. They don't have no air conditioning. You want to get to church, you walk for three hours. Have you ever been, I have been to Africa and I preached in there and there wasn't any air conditioning. I just want to tell you that in that place. And sometimes you and I can take for granted what we have been given. That if you didn't get your comfortable parking lot in church, you just go next week. But there's someone walking three hours to get to church. And then church takes five hours. And then they walk three hours back. And I'm certainly not suggesting that you need to go and walk for three hours to church. Maybe on the treadmill after Thanksgiving though. Someone say, that's Friday. Might want to stay on that thing a little bit longer on Friday. Someone say, amen. I think it's a good chance for me to plug men's... 5 a.m. club, Tuesday morning, 5.15. There'll be a workout here, gentlemen. Don't worry. Then there'll be prayer, 6 a.m. Anyway, just letting you know. It's getting getting you room for Thanksgiving. Look to a man next to you and go, you need to go there. 
I kicked it off last week. I was surprised how many men came, right? I thought like six, four people were coming. We had 18, 20 men show up 5.15 here on a Tuesday morning. All kinds of fitness levels, all kinds of stuff. How many know it's more encouraging when you show up and there's other people around? High-fiving each other and all kinds of stuff. It was good, and then we got off to prayer. Someone say amen. amen. We are a praying church. Nehemiah 3 says this, verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. Someone say sheep gate. They dedicated and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, and which they dedicated. And as far as the Tower of Hananel, someone say Hananel. The men of Jericho, someone say Jericho. Built the adjoining section in Zakua. Someone say Zakua. Son of Imri. Someone say Imri. Built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaniah. Someone say Hassaniah. <laughs> you guys are getting good at this. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth. Someone say Merimoth. Son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berakai, the son of Mesha, Zabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, someone say Zadok, son of Bana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their, na- their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. And I remember reading this passage of Scripture, and trust me, it goes on, and there's more names and more people building. And I remember I was preaching kind of a series a number of years ago, go on Nehemiah and the need of ours to build. I remember the Holy Spirit nudging me like it's the message is in there. And I'm like, it ain't in there. It's not in there. That's a boring passage of Scripture because it just goes, he built this and he built that. And I'm like, Lord, it's not there. And then I decided to lean on Google.com and I said, okay, let's find out what everyone's names mean. And all of a sudden I realized the Holy Spirit knows his word. And there was a message in there. Look at this now. Eliashib, the very first builder. Someone say the first builder. Eliashib means the God of conversion. The place of salvation. Watch this now. Eliashib built the sheep gate. It is the first gate that is built in, in, in the temple of God. And watch this now. Have you heard of John chapter 10 verse 9? Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. I don't think it's by accident that the Word of God says the first part of the gate that will be built of my house will be a place called the God of conversion or the God of salvation. How many of you know the house of God is a place of salvation? It's a place of freedom. It's a place where the message of the gospel of grace is declared so that people can find Christ. The next one I want to point you to, and there's lots of them, I could go on and on, is Jericho. It means the place of fragrance. But I want you to see this, Revelation 5.8. I think it, it, I, I've got it in the Amplified. I don't know what you've got it in, but let me go on what you got. Excuse me. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the worship, sorry, before the lamb. I was about to say, this is Revelation 4 and 5 is one of the most interesting worship services, what you see in heaven. And here's what it says. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense. Someone say incense. Now the Amplified Bible says fragrant. Someone say fragrant. Someone say incense. Which are the what? Prayers of God's people. Notice the house of God is a place of salvation, but the house of God and the people of God must become people of fragrance or prayer. 
they built a place which was to be devoted to prayer. Let me suggest this. Let me say this. Every blessing almost in your life and my life can be connected back to prayer. Prayer is the thing where you get fresh oil. Prayer is the thing that you can persevere in your faith. Prayer is the thing that you feel like quitting, quitting, but you can't quit. Prayer is the place where your heart feels hard and you're like, God, why does my heart feel hard? I wanna point you to prayer. Prayer is the place that'll break down sometimes the, the sense of man, life has no meaning. Get to prayer. Let us be a place. Let us be men and women of prayer. Now, don't let that guilt come on you. I need to pray more. Just pray. It is relational, but it is intercessory. It is bringing heaven down to earth. Can I get a good amen? Zakua means mindful or seriousness of wisdom. How many know the Word of God gives wisdom? Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is why it scares me as a culture sometimes when we throw out the Ten Commandments and we throw out religion out of governmental and any other place and in our school system as well. When you throw out God's wisdom, you always have to replace it with some level of foolishness. Zadok means just or righteous. He was another builder of the house of God. Tekoa, it is the symbol of praise. Watch this now, man. Gibeon, it, they, it, it means from the hill city. All the men thereof were what? Come on, do we have any mighty men in here? Come on, do we have any growing men in here? Even if you're not mighty, even if your faith seems weak, if you'll hang around long enough and keep showing up to some kind of transform group, some kind of dream team, some kind of something, you will become mighty. But so often we are afraid to commit to anything, but it is our commitments that make us great. See, God doesn't just make you great and all of a sudden you're great. No, He says, be committed to something great. And in the process of you being committed to something great, then you actually become formed and fashioned in the hand of God. How many know sometimes you'll meet a man and he's, he's all over the place and then he meets a good woman and he marries a good woman and then they get married and they're like, how come that guy became a good guy? I'll tell you why, because he got committed. He got committed to something. Throw off things that stop you being committed. Oh, but what if there's another option? Get committed to the option you got. <laughs> Maliata means deliverance from the law. Deliverance means freedom. Someone say freedom. Jadon means Jehovah has heard. Uzziel means strength from God. Rephahiah, Rephahiah means medicine or a refreshment of the Lord. How many know the presence of the Lord brings refreshment? How many know in this time we need refreshment? How many know sometimes you get all out bent out of shape and then you put on worship and all of a sudden it's like a fresh oil came on you? See, if you're finding yourself angry, bitter, depressed, all kinds of things, stop going to that alcohol bottle and begin to go to the refreshing presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Let me say this to you, and, and I, I, there's, there's a guy who's a manager of a bottle shop 
uh, one block from our house and I hadn't seen him in a long time. I swung by on, I think, Friday night or something like that and we had pizza and I was like, you know, I'm going to have a little bit of wine. Someone say a little bit. Okay, just checking, just checking for some of you. But I know him because... Anyway, I don't have time to go in the story, but he actually one time bumped in my daughter where my daughter shouldn't have been. She literally like ran away from our house and she was like two. So anyway, he was like, where's your mommy? And, and my daughter like literally walked him back a block to our house and that's where we live. So me and him have this connection, if you know what I mean. I'm like, you're the guy that helped my daughter come back. So I, I was like, hey man, how you doing? Says to me, ah, oh, good, 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 you know talking back and forth. I was like, you guys staying busy? He looks at me and goes, man, it's crazy. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, people's drinking habits have changed. And he looks at me. This is a manager of a liquor store. He looks at me and goes, it's not good. And I look at him. This isn't a faith, but this isn't like a pastor going, it ain't good. No, he's a manager of a liquor store, looked at me and said, it ain't good. So let me say this, there are more ramifications of shutdown and social distancing when the Bible clearly commands us get together. Why? Because the emotional toll is far higher. Someone say get together. You can wash your hands, but get together, you know? If you're sick, now stay home. But other than that, get together. Don't believe people's wisdom when, it's, uh, it, when it contradicts the Word of God. I just have a problem with it eventually. Hatush. How many wished your parents named you Hatush? You know, Dad, I kind of wish you'd... Name me Hatush. <laughs> but it has an amazing meaning. It says Hatush means to be unbroken or whole. <laughs> hey, hey, serious up. Hey. <laughs> means counsel, ministry of wisdom, prayer, and intercession. This is why it's so needed <laughs> that we have some Hatushes. In the house of God, we have some ministry, praying people, wisdom people. My mother is a hatush. I just realized that. She'll pray for you till you get sense in your head. Now, Kaiser means the Lord, my counselor. Notice again, notice this. They're building the house of God. They're building the walls. They are part of God's handiwork. They are building the walls. They are literally building so that the worship of Israel could be restored. Watch this now. They didn't determine their part, but they played their part. And I have so often found in the call of God, I don't determine the call of God on my life. You don't determine the call of God, but you receive the call of God and you begin to do something. Someone say, do something. There's too much of this. I don't know what God's called me to do. Do something. Begin to do something. I found that it's far easier for God to move you if you're a moving car than if you're just a parked car waiting for every bit of revelation for Jesus to download your whole life before you'll serve anywhere. 
I just want to encourage you, get moving, get building. Let me show you what God builds. God builds people. God builds family. God builds businesses through people. And God builds His kingdom, which is the house of God. Can I get a good amen? Never mean merciful and compassionate. Baruch, Baruch means blessed. Malchijah means God is king. The very last one. Watch this now. The first one is God of conversion, salvation. The next one is God is king. How many know when Jesus first came, he came as a God of salvation. The next time he comes, it'll be as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you with me? The house of God, here's what I want you to see. The house of God was built by so many different people, but each person's role was indispensable to being the house of God that literally reflected the image of God. The house of God was to be built reflective of the very nature of God. This is why when you, when, let me just break it down. If you're kind of new, you're like, what does that mean for me? Build your relationship with God, first of all. Then you can build the family and then you can build and keep building a business. But over time, build what God is building. It is people. It is His church. It is for those who call upon His name. You know, a number of years ago, man, I feel like I'm getting old. You ever feel like you're getting old? Because I keep telling stories and I'm like, I used to say, man, 10 years ago, and now I'm saying 22 years ago. I was probably 20, 21 years old, and I, um, I was hanging out with some friends of mine, and, and uh, they were praying. There were, there were these girls, and I think one guy, they were praying people. And for some reason, we got into, we were hanging out, and, and, and uh, I think they ended up staying and crashing over their house. And one day, we, we got praying about some things. There were some things going on in my house. There were some things going on in their house. We're like, hey, let's get together. Let's pray about some stuff. And anyway, we read a passage of Scripture, and I want to read it to you. Isaiah 61, verse 4. This has been near and dear to my heart for a long, long time. Here's what it says. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And this young girl who was really a prophet Tess at that time prayed this scripture over me. And as she prayed this scripture over me, it was like something got a hold in my heart at that moment. It was like the burden of the, of the Word of the Lord came to my heart. And that scripture from that day, and I'm talking 22 years later, all of a sudden that scripture meant a lot to me. And I don't know what God was going to do, but I just knew that somehow it would be about building. Somehow it'd be about restoring broken places. Somehow it'd be restoring men. Somehow it'd be about restoring families. I don't know. I didn't know it. I didn't get it. But I remember the time when it was like this thing came in my heart about restoring broken things. Let me ask you a question. Does God give you great faith or invite you to make faith steps that build great faith? Does God make you generous in a moment where someone prayed for you and all of a sudden you sense God? Guess what? Or did He invite you to generosity and in the process make you a generous person? Does God give you this magical gift of leadership in a moment 
Or does he give you a gift of leadership and over the years you hone that gift and you begin to develop that gift and you keep working on that gift and keep working on that gift and all of a sudden, 20, 30 years later, someone looks at you at 50 years old and go, you're a great leader. Because you've been adding value to business and value to people and value to the house of God wherever it is that God has called you to lead. I was talking to some men who had, one of them had run for office as an independent right after the service. And, and it takes years, how many of you know, to actually build the kind of leadership and trust so you can even run for office. Let me say this phrase. When God is writing history, He invites you into His story to do His work so that your history is joined to His story. How many know history is His story? All of history is God's story, but He invites you into that story. He invites me into the story to build what God wants to build. How many know that Nehemiah was invited into the story of God? And then heaven begins to record Nehemiah and Nehemiah gathers around him and maybe 50, 100, 200 people and he begins to tell him a crazy dream. Watch this now. He's like, I wanna build God's walls back. And they're like, no, that's crazy. Because it was crazy talk at that time. You know in Nehemiah 4, when he actually got serious about building the house of God, do you know that people wanted to come and wanted to kill him? Like, yay! Jesus, give me an assignment where people want me to get killed. But here's what I found about Jesus is Jesus invited him into it anyway. That's not very safe, Jesus. I I could lose my life, Jesus. He goes, yes, son. But I believe this, that the safest place you and I are is exactly where He wants you to be. That's the safest place. The safest place is where God wants you because when you go where God wants you, He's got your back. He is protecting you. He is watching over you. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall rest under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. It says, my God, in whom shall I trust? It goes on and on. It says God's protection is with you. It isn't so much at the club when you're getting drunk and high. How many you know that? But if you keep on following God, His protection is with you. Nehemiah didn't determine his part, but he had to play his part. Now watch this now. It's not about Nehemiah. It's about the person next to you in this moment right now. Watch Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship. I told the kids yesterday, I put it up. I was like, God's important. You're important. I'm important simple lesson. God's important. They're important. I'm important. But how many know that when we put ourselves into His workmanship, He goes to work on us. 
How many of you are willing to put yourself in the hand of God so He can work on you? It has to be greater than salvation. It has to be, God, I surrender my whole heart to You, my whole life to You. We sing the song sometimes, but then God stretches us in a moment of serving or giving or generosity. And He'll literally say, Son, give that Monday night football up and go serve somewhere. And then He goes to work on you. I still remember the time, it was Saturday night at my college and uh, this guy had asked me to be a leader in one of the, 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 the youth revival thing that we were doing. He's like, man, I need you here every Saturday night. And I remember, but, but I'm like, oh, but I might have to watch a movie. And I remember the tension on the inside of commitment. And I promise you the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, what are you gonna do, son, watch a movie? And I remember having a diet to my desire in that moment to be uncommitted because I wanted leadership, but I didn't want the commitment of leadership. You can't have leadership without the commitment of leadership. As the years have gone on, you know what I respect more and more? Those who are committed. Those who are committed. Those who show up come hell or high water. They're there. They're just there. They're building no matter what. They're building no matter what. They're building no matter what. And we need the kind of church who is building, whether someone sees you, whether they don't see you. We need the kind of church who's serving and loving and giving. Just stand to your feet for a moment. I want to share one more story with you. I was walking around the King's Court on Thursday morning. Thursday morning, if you don't remember, it was cold. It's like, what happened? Santa's coming. I was praying around this building, and sometimes it's funny because I'll. If you ever like get busted praying, <laughs> like it's not a bad thing to get busted, if you know what I mean. I'm walking around the building and the manager of the King's Court, I know quite well, um, Angie, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, huh? I'm just walking around. <laughs> and then I thought about it later. I was like, why didn't I just tell her I was praying? You know, I, <laughs> it's like I was hiding it. She already knows I'm the pastor of the church, you know, <laughs> you know. I was like, I'm just walking around. So if you ever just see me walking around, looking like I talk to myself, I'm probably talking to Jesus. And you should say, bless Him. But I, I was walking around and then I came to this river bit over there, which has a whole bunch of bottles and I think we should clean it up someday. But anyway. <laughs> but uh, you ever felt something in your heart that you didn't know and weren't sure how to tell someone or God. I had this overwhelming sense in my heart. I just, tears began to go in my eyes and I was, I was praying, but I was crying. Here's what I felt in my heart. So I was praying for our church. I was praying for the youngest. I was praying for the resilient women. I was praying for Believe and Build. I was praying for all the things. And as I'm walking around and hiding from Angie where I was praying, <laughs> I, I 
literally felt this and I and sometimes it was hard for me to tell the Lord I was like God I don't know how to tell you this but I was like I feel like we're carrying a move of God and you may not get this yet but maybe some of you will I feel like we're carrying a move of God I feel like this church is carrying a move of God I promise you from the kids to the youth to what we do in the outreach I feel like we're carrying something special from heaven I feel it in my bones and when Nehemiah left the king's court it was literally risky to tell the king he had to leave But he goes and he gathers a bunch of people and then he says to them, listen, would you build and would you restore? And Nehemiah couldn't do it on his own, but he was never meant to. And Nehemiah in essence is a picture of Jesus who goes from the king's court to broken places and begins to tell them, I have life for you. You can be restored in the name of Jesus. You can be restored. There's life, there's hope, there's strength. But I want to say to every man here, every woman, listen. Let us rise and build what God has called us to. Let us rise and build. Pluck out that Pharisee spirit that, or that cheap spirit that begins to say, oh, good church should never grow. Rubbish, that's a thought of the devil. Rubbish. Throw off that pride sometimes that says someone else will do it. That's not for me. Isn't it interesting that the Bible says that the nobles wouldn't put their hand to the work? The nobles, who were they? Governors and officials, high leaders, high money. They wouldn't do it, but it was actually the others that God wrote their name in His book. Nehemiah chapter 3. And I believe this, that God will write our name. God will write your name. Because as you take on heaven's assignment, don't take on someone else's assignment. Take on what you're meant to do. I want you to take this real quick. And I just want to talk about it for one second. This is for, this is for next week, but I'll point you, I want to point you to it. Grab it and just wave it at me for a second. Someone say, I have a part to play. Now, if you're new in here, don't worry about this. It's, this is how we're going to build the wall build the house of God. Literally, we can double our sanctuary, double our foyer, double our kids' space. It's incredible the favor we have. It truly is. But I want to say to some people here, some people had a confusion. They're like, what do you mean 600 seats and $1,500 each? Is that a massage chair? <laughs> no, it's not a massage chair. Though that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Just sitting there, <laughs> the ultimate comfort church. It is simply the cost of the whole assignment. But I would say to young people in here, sometimes the greatest thing young people can do for some reason is just pray about it and say, God, what's my role? I remember when the Lord spoke to my heart, taught me faith like a few other times when He said, son, give $434. Some of you, it might be 50 bucks or 100. Again, it's an individual journey. But I would say to some business leaders in here, you wanna get God involved in your business? Some of you need to own 10 chairs. 20, 50 chairs, 100 chairs. Why? Because it's your individual journey. And if all of us simply do our part, you'd be surprised what God would do. 
Would you pray about that? Again, Phil, if you're new, that's, I'm just glad you're here. I really am. Nehemiah needed to fulfill the mission. Nehemiah needed those who carried the mission with him. And I am so thankful that God has given us so many people who have said, we carry it together. We carry it together. Sometimes when God's burden comes to your life, it doesn't feel comfortable. To lead this church has not been comfortable. Sometimes to talk about some of the things that the Holy Spirit puts on my heart is not comfortable, but it is a burden that He gives me and I I cannot not talk about it. Whether someone likes it and leaves, that's okay. If God burdens my heart with it, I know I'll stand before Him one day and He was the one who gave me the assignment. Church carries a move of God. Prophesy a move of God. I prophesy a move in the hearts of men, the hearts of women, the hearts of young people in our church, that we'll have young people busting other seams on fire for you, wise but passionate in the name of Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a hand one more time in the house of God. Benjamin's my son, he's in the middle. He's standing over here. I want to tell you, son, God has something very, very special for you. It's a great honor in my life, being your dad. I love you with all my heart. But he has something very special for you, son. God has something for this worship team too. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to say to some business people in here, if you'll seek God about what you're meant to do in this, you'd be surprised how God gets a hold of both you and your business. As you, again, it's, it's a personal journey with God. 
Sometimes you see Christian television ministers saying, send a thousand dollars and bless God. I, I believe in a week you'll have a hundred thousand. <clears> it's not God. But it's a very personal journey to say, God. And here's what I've noticed about God. He, he just says, can you trust me? Because I know what's around the corner. I know what's around the corner. That's why sometimes some people are in wrong relationships and they won't leave the wrong relationship, but God knows there's a right relationship around the corner. But unless you let go of the one, He'll lead you. He's literally like, no, 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 that's not the one for you. Like, ah, oh, but I, I don't want to let it go because I, and He's just like, no, son, I have something else for you. If you're married in here, I just want to tell you that's not for you. <laughs> Amen. Don't, don't get weird. Don't get weird. Don't be like, I felt like this woman walked by in church and she's my wife. Have you married? No, 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 she's not. And that goes for the ladies too. You never know. Some people crazy. <laughs> Come on, close your eyes. Father, speak across your church. To every person watching online, speak to them. Speak across this church. Speak to every man, every woman. Speak your word where they need it. Let it encourage, let it heal, let it challenge, let it stretch. Spirit of truth. Be over your people. Guide us, lead us in the days ahead. Guide us and lead us. Guide us and lead us. Well, eyes are closed, hearts are open to God. Simply pray this simple prayer. Say, God, what's my assignment? And I would say to you very clearly keep seeking it until he gives it to you well eyes are closed you may be in this place and maybe you grew up Catholic, Christian, non-religious completely maybe you feel like you're not good enough maybe you feel like you don't really need God's touch and forgiveness but the great God came down teaching so that through his death many would have peace the peace of God that transcends all understanding there's a peace that comes to your life when you invite Jesus in you can't buy it anywhere else it's peace for your past it's peace for your future it's also peace of heaven See, God is separate from mankind, but Jesus came to be the bridge. And you may be here today and you've never said yes to Him, never surrendered your heart to Him. And you sense there's a moment of surrender that needs to happen. You sense in your heart that God is knocking on the door of your heart. And if He's knocking, I'm gonna ask you to simply pray this prayer after me to respond to that knock. Say, Jesus, come in. I ask you 
changed my life. I turn to you. I trust in you. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. Well, eyes are closed. If you meant business with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and raise up high all across this place. Quickly raise your hand, raise it high, raise your high. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That's awesome today. Thank you. Anyone on this right-hand side, raise your hand, raise it up high. Anyone just saying, yeah, I need to trust in Christ today. I need to surrender to Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those online, you can put up your hand. Trust you're watching and feeling the same presence that we're feeling right here, right now. You can put your hand down. Come on, can, can we give Jesus a hand? Come on, can we really put our hands together for the King of Kings? Come on, let's honor that presence of God that's here in this room right now.